742, Joe Rico and Alex Ramirez back at the final word, 98.1 FM. And wow, Alex, every time we get to spend any amount of time with our next guest, I always feel a lot smarter about sports in general. Uh, he is the man up in Boulder, Dave Platty. He is the associate athletic director. I hope I'm correct on that. Uh, I call him the second command right under Rick George. And Dave has been a contributor to that program for as many years as I could ever, ever 19, foresee. 1984, Joe. Yeah, so, wow, we're going on, uh, that would be, help me out with math, 37. This will be his 38th 38 season. Years. Wow, 38 years. Uh, incredible. And uh, I'd like to bring on, without further ado, one of a guy, a guy we consider one of our mentors, Dave Platty from the University of Colorado. And good morning to you, Dave. And I'll tell you what, thanks so much for making some time for us. I know how busy your schedule is this time of year. Let's get right to it. Let's start with the C. Buffs, a program near and dear to your heart, and a program you so kindly let Alex and I cover for a little over just about a little over a decade for me. Alex is on a decade next year. Uh, we feel part of the program in many ways, but hey, we're journalists. We have to tell everybody in Denver what's going on with CU. And when we went up for a media day here last Friday, it was really a treat. I, I like Coach Carl Durrell. I think he really sells the uh, program well. He had Rod Smith up there to talk to the kids here just recently. Um, your thoughts on the direction of the CU football team? Uh, it's been kind of up and down since Coach Mack left, but I, I think we've got the right guy in charge of everything. And once again, good morning to you. Good well, morning, gentlemen. Um, first of all, I'm not second to Rick by any means. <laughs> we, we do. Uh, if we put you there, there, you are on our show, but go ahead. And as far as being smarter, maybe in sports, but I won't reveal my college GPA. Those, those, <laughs> those five credit Fs you get at an 8 a.m. class, you go, why did I sign up for an 8 a.m. class? Really hurt your GPA in the long run. <laughs> so uh, the direction of the program, yeah, I, I like it. You know, we've uh, yeah, ups and downs, you know, peaks and valleys, however you want to call it. Um, you know, we've uh, kind of um, kind of uh, had a... Had a not not as many years since we were, we were okay through the Barnett years, pretty much. But um, you know, after Dan Coppins came here, it just didn't work out under Dan, and then under John Embry, and you know, Mike McIntyre had one good year back in 2016. So we've we've kind of settled into a five-win program now over the last five years. So it's not it's not as bad as it was there for a few periods in there. But I think with Carl back here and being in his third time that he's been here, his third stint, uh, first when Mac hired him back in '92 as a receivers coach, and then. Rick Neuheisel brought him back as the offensive coordinator in 95. You know, the th maybe the third time would be the charm in the sense of trying to go after big things nationally because when Carl's been here, we haven't won a conference championship. And I personally think the Pac-12 South might be up for grabs. We're not getting the respect we should be getting, I don't think. And from what I've seen in our scrimmages, I think we're going to be a lot better in defense than we've been. And, you know, offense is you know, going to be a little question mark right now because we don't know how long. JT Shroud's going to be out. He's going to have surgery next week, and we'll know more after that. You know, be kind of hopeful that uh, you know sometimes you have that surgery, and the doctor will come back and say it's not as bad as we thought. He might be out two, three weeks, or maybe he's out for the year. So, but we won't know that till next week. But we're <laughs> we're down to three freshman quarterbacks, and this will be only the second time in history a freshman starts the season opener for us. And we'll have to see where it goes. But I think we're back in the upswing. You know, I think recruiting is going well, and. You know, there's a whole a lot of uh, variables out there that we have no idea where the entire sport's headed. Uh, well, I'm going to echo what Joe Rico said, and good morning to you, uh, David Platty. I, I just call him DP, Joe. It's just easier. Oh, I mean, sure. That's just what it is. I mean, that's how I address him, and 
and he responds back to me like that. But DP, I got to ask you. Yes, uh, they the, are. <laughs> <laughs> the NIL, the name, imaging, and likeness, it's happening right now around college football. And I, I just kind of, I asked you this question before we were at a golf uh, media event for you guys up uh, up in Greeley recently, and I asked you a question. But since then, a lot of things have been developing, a lot of things have been evolving around the, the country with different players that haven't even stepped on the field, and they got these marketing deals. So my question to you, uh, DP, is, how do you think that's going to impact? Do you think it's going to be like a wild, wild west? Do you believe that potentially this could harm college football where maybe they may have to pump the brakes on this a little bit and say, hey, you know what? You can't give a guy who's a second-string quarterback at Alabama a half-a-million-dollar con- contract that signs with the sports agency because his parents have deep pockets or his family knows these people or whatever. I just think for me personally, I, and, I, and I addressed it to you that day at the, at the golf tournament, I said, I said, I don't think this, this is good for college football. Yes, I believe the players should make money, and you have that right to do that. You grab a Jeremy Bloom who, who, who you know, was an Olympic skier. It was a former CU player. It would have made sense with that kind of situation. But when you're just coming in from, like, high school and you're just recruited because your name and you, you have all these expectations, I think it could be damaging, DP, in my opinion, sir. Well, you said uh, the wild, wild west. It, <laughs> there's so many unforeseen things that have already happened that I don't think people thought could that it might make the wild west look like a British Tea Party. <laughs> 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 you've got the you got the quarterback in Texas skipping his senior year to enroll at Ohio State early, which right, I don't know how you do that. I guess maybe he met all his core requirements through his, the end of his junior year, so he could. But you've got the people in Utah sponsoring all the walk-ons at BYU. I don't think anybody foresaw that. And then, You've got a quarterback in Alabama who hasn't played it down, who, uh, Saban, who claims he's uh, almost got a million dollars in endorsements, but I don't believe anything or everything Nick Saban says either. He could be doing that to bolster his recruiting. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, what we've always talked about was, you know, I think it was fine for kids to get a stiff end because you've got situations where you pull a kid out of an area where the parents don't have a lot of money and he didn't come to school with a lot of money, and we've had kids from California that couldn't even afford a winter coat before, so I thought the stipend thing was good, so you could cover those natural expenses when you're giving a kid a scholarship, but not not giving him money for anything else, but as far as uh, the whole NIL thing, you know, I still think it's going to be an issue when you've got a quarterback or a running back or wide receiver making, you know, a lot of cash, uh, be it for monographs or whatever endorsements you may get, and then the offensive line is blocking for him, is not getting anything, or you've got the star quarterback making a million dollars and the backup quarterback making nothing. There's no way I can't see some animosity being developed in these locker rooms. And once again, you've also got uh, some of these kids out there don't appreciate the value of a college scholarship. And, you know, kids that see you for four or five years, you've invested half a million dollars in them when you're taking into account the tuition, room and board, student fees, and then the uh, nutrition aspect, the, you know, what you get in training room, uh, equipment, all when you add everything together, I mean, you know, not that we would charge, but, you know, let's say a kid wants a Heisman campaign, you go to an outside PR firm, you know, you're going to get a bill for $20,000. <laughs> uh, you know, we wouldn't charge them. You know, we'll, we, we do because that's part of our job. So, you know, when you add the value of everything you do for somebody together, I think uh, there are kids that do appreciate that, the value of a college education. I think there's those that just want to come through and, uh, you know, they don't really care that much about class, but... You'd be surprised how many actually do. I think that's always been overblown. And these uh, writers out there sometimes they say that 
nobody really cares about their academics, but I would say that at least 95% of most football players actually do nationwide, and it's that's been a misnomer for years. Well, the other thing is the NCAA itself. And, you know, I mean, it's been scrutinized heavily, and now with the uh, said alliance possibly, and I know they're going back and forth between the Pac-12, ACC, and uh, I believe the Big Ten, and, you know, not including the SEC, I think, how long do you think this current embodiment of the NCAA will exist before maybe these upper five, power five conferences, you know, with, uh, I believe, Oklahoma and Texas are now moving to the SEC? I mean, is it a matter of time before another governing body will will have to be involved? Because I just think the haves and the have-nots are just getting more and more separation, especially with the nil included now. Well, I don't think anybody knows exactly what this alliance is going to be. I would imagine it will be, you know, some scheduling as far as uh, creating more TV inventory to counter some of the SEC. But, you know, I don't think the people in Seattle or Oregon really uh, care that much if Mississippi State's playing South Carolina. So, you know, the, the whole SEC inventory, you know, it's not like all those now with 16 teams, like, Every eight games every week is going to be a national attraction. They'll probably have one or two, but you know I've I've never been that big a fan of the SEC, and I I won't say what I could say, but I've worked na- several national championship games, and I have not been impressed with a lot of the SEC programs. Let me say that for in certain areas <laughs> where <laughs> if anyone would know you would DP, <laughs> and some people might figure out what I'm getting at here, but. You know, I think the Big Ten, I was reading something where the uh, Penn State AD was talking about some kind of alliance would involve something academically where the schools work together, be it with their library stuff or certain research projects. You know, and like when we joined the Pac-12, you know, we got uh, involved with Cal right away with the Maven, well, with the Maven project with the, uh, the spaceship, I believe it's to Mars. So, you know, there are some uh, interesting uh, uh, relationships that have been built between the schools and the Pac-12. So I think some of the uh, presidents are looking toward that kind of deal. But, you know, I think when people feel here scheduling alliance, it doesn't mean that all three non-conference games are going to be with those other conferences. You know, the Big Ten, they want to play some of the uh, MAC schools, you know, for cost reasons, you know, easy travel. Uh, You know, we've got rivalries out here. You know, we've got 35 games scheduled with 16 different schools from 2023 to 2038. So if they're talking about any kind of scheduling, you'd have to cancel some of those games. And I don't think that I really foresee that happening. We do have two games scheduled with Georgia Tech. We've got two games scheduled with Nebraska coming up. So we do have uh, some games that uh, would fit into a scheduling alliance right now. So we'll have to see where all that's headed. But, you know, as far as breaking off from the NCAA, you know, that's it's an interesting question because obviously the best thing the NCAA's got going is are the uh, men's women's basketball tournaments in March, so I don't know how you'd want to divorce yourself from March Madness, but you know, it might be a thing where football just totally breaks away and then the rest of the sports are under the NCAA umbrella, but who really knows where that's headed, probably be decided here in the next few years. So, uh, earlier this year, back in May, nine buffs had been added to the Colorado Buffaloes Athletic Hall of Fame class of 2021. I've always found that interesting to find out how process works is it kind of like the nfl where you get a knock on the door hey you know uh, is there like a short list is there a senior <laughs> list who's involved i don't you don't have to name drop anybody but who's really like is there a committee that's involved with this that makes those decisions i'm sure you have definitely a vote um but i just always found it very interesting that you know as I, I there's a lot of players i've, I've seen 
that are not elected into the Hall of Fame yet that were former CU buffs, whether they be basketball players or football players. But you guys also go back deep, back in the early days. So how does that process work, DP? Well, actually, I run it, so you're speaking to the right guy. Okay. <laughs> I was guessing right. you did. I figured that. Uh, we have a committee of ten that you know, nine or ten that vote each year, depending on the year. Um, basically, the we take nominations mostly from C Club members or teammates through the years. Uh, I actually go through and put a lot of people on the nomination list myself when doing some research. And you know, there's a, there's a whole list of criteria how people can qualify. Uh, you have to be ten years out unless you're you know immediately retired, like in the case of Richard Rocos. We're not going to wait five years for Richard because he's seventy years old. But uh, usually you have to wait uh, 10 years if you're an athlete. And, you know, I think what we found is sometimes you rush to put somebody in the Hall of Fame, especially if somebody passes away. Like, you know, Kobe Bryant was going to get in the Hall of Fame, for example. But, you know, to put him in right away, I don't know. Maybe his family would appreciate it if they waited five years. But, you know, that teach their own and that goes. But, you know, we have a Veterans Committee where we do take a look because nobody's dominating anybody from your early days. And, you know, part of the reason that some people aren't in yet is we got a late start. We didn't start our Hall of Fame until 1998. And I think, for example, CSU started there, you know, a good decade earlier. Okay. So we've been playing catch-up to a lot of degrees to get some people in. And, you know, are you ever going to get anybody in? You know, I'm on the Golf Hall of Fame Committee in the state. There's a long list of nominees that aren't in there yet. There's Colorado Sports Hall of Fame. Um, I'm quite familiar with that. There's over 200 people on the nomination list there, and they take in about six a year. So, you know, it's really, really hard to get caught up. And, and in our case, you know, you're talking about got 17 active sports, but you, we can't forget the sports that we cut. And Jack Ryan's going in this year, who is our only uh, NCAA champion in gymnastics. So he's been quite deserving. But, you know, we haven't had gymnastics here since 1980. So, but, you know, he's got to go in, and finally is. But uh, we've had baseball players go in that were deserving. You know, Jay Howell was the latest uh, about four years ago. Uh, you know, had a great career in the Major League Baseball. And wrestlers have gone in. Uh, you know, there's some swimmers out there. So you have to consider those sports as well. So that's where the, the Veterans Committee will come in and recognize those sports as well. But really, those are the players that really preceded World War II. In the case of Lee Willard, you look at what he accomplished. Well, maybe he should have gone into third or fourth class. And he, he ran a nine-two one hundred in nineteen eighteen. I don't know how many people were running that fast a hundred years ago, and lettered sixteen times in four sports. So he was probably really the first major athletic stud we had in our history. Then, of course, Byron White went in uh, in the first class by himself, which you know speaks to himself of what he accomplished here and what he did afterwards. So, but yeah, it's a nomination process. Then it's a voting process and. Usually you have to be an All-American or a multi-conference uh, performer or have gone on to do other things that represent the university, like uh, Steve Patchell, for example, was a student manager here and then an SID for two years. But, you know, he went on and did great things at the Orange Bowl and then at the National Football Foundation with several stops in between. So it's also how you have represented the university after you've left here if you had anything to do with athletics. Well, about a minute and a half left, so I just want to get a quick response for you. I've finished the answer to this question for me. Tad Boyle's CU Buffs will advance to the Sweet 16, yes or no, this year? I would say yes, because right now we're not getting some of the respect to the preseason stuff because obviously McKenzie Wright <clears throat> has moved on to the uh, – to the Minnesota Timberwolves, but 
you know, he had a very, very, very good recruiting year. It's been ranked top ten nationwide by some of the people that do that. So I think it's a matter of, see, let's see when they gel. We have a very good non-conference schedule with some good tests in there. And then, of course, 20 Pac-12 games. So I think by the time conference play rolls around, people that are picking us, you know, six or seventh are going to go, oops, probably should have picked them higher. All right, it gets all started on September 3rd, the home opener against the UNC Bears at Folsom Field. Fans will be back, and I saw the ticket sales and, and the attendance. The, the student the student section is uh, going to be rocking It's going to be jam-packed. It's going to be awesome. The UNC Bears, Ed McCaffrey comes in a boulder. All I can say is pain, pain. <laughs> but, hey, DP, seriously, thank you for carving out a couple minutes. We sure appreciate it. We appreciate everything you do for uh, Joe Rico and myself and Mile High Sports. And not only that, for the entire community. I'll speak on behalf of the entire community. Uh, you, how You've just been a pillar as someone that we can – we can look up to and get advice from. And I went to Metro State. I got my communications degree there. I really wish I would, I would have been under your class and I would have been able to go to school there with you because I know I, I maybe my life would be different right now besides sitting next to Joe Rico right now. So well, I'll tell you what. He did one thing you. right. I mean, hey, we, he managed to get with me, DP, okay? So, you know, he's one for one on that level. But I think we both feel that uh, anybody who learned under your tutelage, and I, I do feel like we are almost students of yours, you've taught us a lot. And uh, anybody who sits around you and learns from you, I just think learns from one of the best journalists and statistician. That's a whole other show. We didn't even have time to talk about that. Hopefully we can just do a, a, a program with you on your memories as a statistician because there are stories there that would just blow people Absolutely. away. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it being called a pillar instead of a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you'll never be a dinosaur in our book. We will see you here uh, next Friday. It's a Friday, it's and Friday uh, it's kind of weird. I'm kind of hyped for it. You know, I mean, I, I'm interested to see uh, what Brenda Lewis and this team can produce, and, and I'm, I'm hoping for a bowl game, and Alex and I might might take you up on that road game thing. We've got to get some information for you so we can do everything right. But I think uh, we might be trying to add to Tempe this year or UCLA. So yeah. we'll get with you before we do anything. Well, I assume we'll see you Wednesday at the Front Range Huddle first. I will be there. Yeah. I will be there. Alex will not. Yeah. I'm super hyped up. Uh, last year, <laughs> or two years ago, uh, we got the uh, we, we we had the Midnight Mel Tucker experience with you, pre- and it no, was, was just a, that was a recruiting thing. This uh, is wasn't a rock, a rec- this, yeah. This, this is, is the, this is the Rocky Mountain uh, Region coaches. This is right. Well, what was it two years ago though? We went to uh, it was a recruiting it, thing, recruiting class, and yeah. that one you and I talked about. And oh my goodness, you know that one was one to remember for many reasons. Just, but I will. He, he was just lying. Yeah, face, yeah, man. midnight mail. But I will say this: uh, as far as people up in Boulder, if if there is a CU Hall of Fame, as far as I'm concerned, uh, whether you head it or not, you, to be you a, need to be, to be enrolled. You need to be in it. If I didn't have a doctor's yeah. appointment on Wednesday, yeah. DP, I'd be there. So yeah, just but, so you know. But the bottom line is, uh, you're in our Hall of Fame, buddy. No problem. Guaranteed. I'm certainly not nominating myself for a Hall of Fame. Well, we will. I don't have that big of an ego. We'll talk to Rick George about it. We'll get that handled for you, okay? And and give a big shout-out to your wonderful staff, Curtis Schneider and Troy Andre and all the people that you work on and develop up there. It's, It's a heck of a program up there, and we're proud to be a very small part of it. 
great. Well, guys, thanks for having me on. Always appreciate it. Great. Right. That's it, man. Follow him on Twitter at David Platty. I believe it is. Yeah, uh, yeah that is uh, as good as it gets. And uh, you definitely will not miss anything when you follow uh, David Platty on Twitter. Hey, make sure and stick around. The Chicago Wise Guy, Joey B. He's still. I you think, were at a Rockies game with him. Well, this past he was. I, we were, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that, and also talk a little bit about Justin Fields. You got a little wake up call. We'll talk to Joey B next when you return to the final word with Joe Rico and Alex Ramirez on ninety eight one FM. My life sports. Yeah.